Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, Patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram. Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Without further ado, I'm going to be inviting on shortly my guest today. I've been introduced to, I mentioned a few times, this magic experience in me about three years ago and opened my eyes to a whole new wealth of community of educators, performers, healers. And our guest today, Mr. Anthony Twig Wheeler, is probably all of the above and probably a few other titles that to offer himself. He is a healing therapist who practices somatic experiencing. He's also a former green athlete. He's an educator who produced the stress life series and was the former creator and actor in a one-man show. And from my understanding, I hope he'll drop a little hints on his also teaching somatic experiencing in war-torn areas such as the Congo. I hope I didn't miss anything there, but if I did, he'll drop it in for us. Yeah. Without further ado, Mr. Anthony Twig Wheeler. Something that you didn't know, Richard. I've been for 20 years practicing experimental archaeology, which means learning how to make fire without matches, all of the ancestral living skills, so how to live in the forest, make a bed out of things that you uncover in the woods and be comfortable at it. Why human ecologist? Thank you for adding that. And is that what led you to, you built your own home, am I correct, over home? I did. I built an urchin home in the uh, mountains of Washington State, so that's a higher rammed earth, and to use hard tires, 
use as brick that are then creating a kind of passive solar eco, you know, low intensity efficient house up in the mountains. So what yeah. led you to get into human ecology? Were you raised that kind of knowledge or exploring the woods around nature? No, I wasn't. I was raised in front of a television playing Nintendo until two or three in the morning. Yeah. Was, it, um, was it Pac-Man or? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, back, back in my highlight was Metroid. I think that's what really had for a long, a bit further on than time, I guess. So it helped get the coordination for some of nature. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the most positive way of looking at it, Richard, yes. <laughs> the most positive way of looking at it. I had a very rough L in my teenage years with a very bad fella, and I got away from that, and in getting away, I found myself living with my father, who had by then moved from Washington State, and so that put me on the backside of a group of mountains that gave me an opportunity to kind of go work now, go work with uh, some PTSD that I had collected in time with that bad fella. So that kind of put me toward nature as a place to uh, get away from a lot of negative feelings that I had about society and, and the things that happened in it. Wow. So when you talk about, you know, trauma and, and resiliency and things like that, did you, did, was this your own exploration or did, was your father or anyone else a teacher and kind of showing you the ways of the woods? And My father did open a lot of doorways for that. Actually, sometime in my 19, 20 years old, I got a hold of some of those ideas, like both in uh, Tom Brown books and things about like living out. And I was with a number of people who said, hey, we should learn how to do these things and learn how to live on the land without having to take a whole bag worth of a store with us to go out into the wilderness and feel safe and comfortable. And I started doing classes and going to what we call primitive skills gatherings, where across the West, actually throughout the U.S. and, and internationally now, but started 30 years ago in the Intermountain West in Idaho and Arizona, where we bring practitioners together to teach all kinds of skills on how to tan deer hides, how to track animals, how to make fire in adverse conditions. Yeah. Wow. Are you, are you still doing those classes today or offering them? I do. I do. Yes. This February, I'll be in Arizona at the Wintertown Gathering. I'll be teaching many of the things that we talk about here today. I suspect we're going to talk about the nervous system. I teach those in a wilderness context at the Wintertown Gathering. I do the same thing, say, at the Buckeye Gathering. My home is in the Medhow Valley in Washington State, which is on the east slope of the Cascade Mountains. So I kind of look out over the Cascade Mountains in a small mountain valley that good people live in most of the world. What I love about the topic and, and is that it is highly individualized to the person who's learning its experience and their own nervous system and what they bring to it. So I'm like equal when I hear Twig talk about his experiences, it's like learning an entirely different subject matter in a way because it's so highly personal in how we apply it to ourselves and then how we teach it and, and how we resonate to it. So I was really thrilled to get to spend time with Twig in the past week and then he made time out of his busy schedule and when he started to talk to me about now early life getting into some extreme sports and we know this is a, a growing thing especially among millennials although probably been going on for a longer time uncovered by cameras of people uh, before wingsuits and red bull right <laughs> people who were jumping from snowy hill to snowy hill yeah 
yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, for us New York boys, it was just no football, you know, run five feet and tackle each other. But, <laughs> but can you tell us a little about that, how you got into some of the extreme sports and or, or just in general your own exploration of somatic experience and how you learned about it? Well, I can tell you, I didn't have to, I didn't have to get into extreme sports. I just did extreme things. <laughs> Me and extreme things were just, just like, and now that's not the case anymore, I have to say. I don't feel that way. I do still kind of take pleasure in activation, like the feeling of aliveness and doing something in focus and intensity and driving in on something. But I used to be, I would say, just really just addicted to it. I probably would have a sincere and significant and probably noticeable depression if I didn't push myself in this high, tightable dream state. I was a political activist. That gave me a lot of opportunity to be very angry and very intense. I was doing that 20 years ago at a time when, you know, it, it was, there were plenty of things to be mad about. There were, there are, we have a terrible state in the world, plenty of things to be mad about. I, I was easily found on the more dream side of unresolvable on how to relate to it. So you and, mentioned uh, the term, you know, activation, which is really big in somatic experience, but understanding this need for like adrenaline rush um, and being drawn towards it and then without it, not knowing what to feel or to feel anything. How did you learn to address that or that there was something in that that maybe was out of balance? Or what would you say to people who are kind of stuck in that, that cycle? Probably no one single moment for me, but I think we can lump it all together as like when my life completely fell apart and my physiology gave out and I was diagnosed with cancer and PTSD in the same kind of three-month period as a partner who had been helping to hold my kind of high intensity, I would say craziness and gather that, you know, this is enough for me and I'm not going to help you anymore unless you go get help. And when I went to go get help, she said, okay, I'm going to go have a better life and then I'm going to find with your quasi-insanity. And so in kind of like working on that for a few months, not being a stupid person, but definitely being a blind person to the fact that I needed some real help. I needed some real help. I then ended up at this uh, somatic experiencing thing. Yeah. Who did you meet with? Or was there a seminar? Or was it a coincidence? Or did you seek it? I was in a bodywork class. I was seeking some relief. I was studying bodywork because I couldn't trust anybody. So I was kind of going to the school so I could kind of like work on myself. I couldn't actually just go to a therapist, which is what I'd recommend now. I'd say, oh, just go to a therapist. I went to the school and the teacher held up Peter Levine's book, Waking the Tiger. And she said, if you want to know why the mind-body connection is a real thing. Just read this book and you'll understand how it all works. And I immediately went to the bookstore after class and bought the book and sat up all night reading Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma by Peter Levine. And as I got into it and I'm reading about how the nervous system works in relationships with dangerous events and what the nervous system anticipates in order to be able to settle after dangerous events and what happens if the nervous system doesn't get those signals that allow it to settle and what that then kind of causes the nervous system to accumulate stress and accumulate the instructions of self-protection and survival and when those aren't alleviated then the nervous system of a person like myself walks around the world kind of feeling like things are really intense all the time and in reading his book that night I was like oh my gosh that's me I'm stuck on all the time or I'm flipping from being stuck on to being turned off and have no range in the middle 
level. And of course, it then took, you know, a good six months, a year to get involved and invested and get some help where I got any sort of relief. And then it was a good, I had a lot, I had a lot of work to do. So it took me several years before I really like started to slow down. My nervous system stopped having so much accumulated stress and I started to have freer attention and I can decide whether or not I wanted to be a dream about things or not. I notice you also, even while you're thinking to us, the hands are kind of signaling the down regulation of the system or putting right. boundaries, right? It's really like integrated into your body. So I wonder, you know, like, yeah. and then this led led to you having a, a one-man show where you actually demonstrate the body's physiological responses. Yeah. Was that a calling? Yeah. How did that come to you in your evolution of your process? In 2008 and 2009, I was traveling in the Democratic Republic of Hong Kong, two separate trips, and I was there sharing somatic experiencing guidelines, social justice movement that was taking place out in the communities that had been affected by the, the Congolese War. It was a really tremendous, terrible thing. And these people that I was working with were putting together this remarkable movement of self-sufficiency, helping the communities take care of themselves better. And they said, oh, wow, we have a major problem. We're unable to talk to people about the issue of rape and like violence that's continuing in the communities because everybody gets shut down when we have the conversation. So they ended up looking out into the world and step by step they found me and they brought me to Congo and I travel around with these people and I watch how they were working with the communities and they weren't coming in as experts as much as they were coming in as storytellers. They called themselves cultural animators and their task was to animate the culture into sharing the stories inside the culture that everybody had to help them solve their own problems but that they weren't sharing amongst themselves. They were kind of looking for an expert opinion rather than kind of saying, well, what do you know? What do I know? And what can we put together there? Watching them do that, and I was already somewhat reluctant to join kind of like a really professional traffic, excuse me, Richard, the PhD thing. I commend it to you. What an epic habit. You know, I just didn't have it. It was a slog. <laughs> it's a slog. I think my learning has begun afterwards, I think. It was yeah. some... So I, you know, and I looked at that and I said, that's not really for me. I'm a kind of colloquial person. I don't want to be a big effort guy. I don't want to be that. I want to be like everybody else. I'm, I'm a trauma survivor. So I came back from Congo and I said, how can I do the same thing? How can I talk to my culture in a way that animate people without it being presented as like the effort opinion? And I said, well, you know, I could at least start with, I could take my story of essentially living through my teens and my 20s and extreme PTSD and really driving me to bad ends by the time I'm 30 years old, where I'm just completely suicidal, homicidal, and at the edge of my well-being, all that never, ever settling. And, you know, I, I was helped so dramatically by Peter Levine, by Stephen Hoskinson, his, one of Peter Levine's protégés, who's now gone on to create organic intelligence, who I understudied with, and a number of other practitioners, and just the fact, simple fact that our nervous system has an organized pattern of response to threat. When you drop something and you jump out of the way before it hits your foot, that is part of the nervous system responding to help you not be hurt by that any more than like just like, as fast as it can. Your body is trying to help you. Well, when it tries to help you, it creates instructions that try to make you get out of the way of danger, to respond to danger, all kinds of nuances of that. But in any case, you don't choose what you do in the midst of a dangerous circumstance, you respond involuntarily.
voluntarily, and that involuntary message to do this can easily be fixated in the nervous system as something that still needs to happen. If after the danger, you don't get the necessary signals to say, it's okay, it's not going to happen again, there's going to be more time, we'll make sure nothing else bad happens to you, nothing like that happened in my childhood. Like, it was a bad job, another bad thing. By the time I finally got some help, I was like, I could just help people my story about how these sessions unfolded inside my body and how much easier it is for me to be a teacher. And that would be a way to talk to the culture. So that's how that story, story is the completion in the future. Ah, and that language translates across addiction and dream sports or other dream behaviors, you know, other types of therapies trying to address cutting and things like that that are going on with teenagers. But having been a former crisis responder, it seems to be like there's a lot more cries out there for regulation and understanding emotional uh, aggression and um, not really having a language as especially yeah. cultures become intersected and people are looking for ways to notice when is it safe to calm down? What Where, where is that medium? What, where are those signals coming from? Right. So, yeah, well, I think that's one of the really valuable things about what Peter Levine has done, what Stephen Porges of the polyvagal theory is an important part of the work out there. It's a little bit on the science side, so we don't have to go into it. But just to name that there has been some extremely valuable scientific and therapeutic work in the last 20 or 30 years that has radically improved our understanding of how to signal safety to the nervous system in a way that helps people to calm down. I didn't have that as a kid. My parents didn't have that evil guy that I was talking about that I had this kind of thing with in my childhood. Like, he didn't have any of that. And we all just kind of got in the thing. And if I hadn't found that Peter had found this to help me calm down, I'd still be there. Wow. I'd still be a mess. I'd be a drug addict. It would be terrible. It'd be terrible. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. So what's the best thing we can do with, you know, all our listeners out there, right? We talk a lot in somatic experience about interrupting certain automatic patterns. Some people may see it a little rude when we to cut someone off out of the blue, but how do we break these automatic patterns that we notice happening in our culture or amongst our friends when you see someone kind of reactivating the trauma vortex or staying in the fight or flight mode? Wow, that's a good one. You know, in that we mentioned just in passing, there's the stress last series that I have out there. It's an audio series that I created 
did for the public radio, actually, the local radio station during one of these big wildfires that were happening in my community some years back. And that's out there on the internet. And one of the things that I talk about in there is what do you do? You've been in this stressful thing for two weeks. Fire's going, you're always paying attention to the news. You don't know what's going to happen. It's very stressful. And now you're hanging out with a friend. Hopefully you're hanging out because you want to kind of feel better with each other. But now one of you starts talking about all the danger related to the last two weeks. And it just keeps the activation. It keeps the nervous system getting this message. Something is wrong. You can't rest down. And it's challenging. Because you don't want to be rude and say like, you know, we've had enough of that. That would be dangerous to them, right? Like you can't talk about the thing you're going to talk about. I know better than you. That's challenging as well. So let's do this at least. Let's name that. If you're always reiterating on dress, if you're always getting a signal of something dangerous, and that can come from a thought, it can come from a memory, it can come from things that are happening around you, it can come from your environment. That, that's really where it mostly comes down to. When you have enough safety that you're not immediately in it, it becomes incredibly important to give your body, your mind, your attention, something else to pay attention to, other than only fixating or repeating and reiterating the signal that says something's dangerous because that really affects our heart rate, it affects our breath, it affects our nervous system, it affects our thinking, it affects our decision making. It goes on long, too long, all of those things will degrade. And really, you know, we need to be able to make better decisions. So at the very least, let's all know that we don't want to swim in the negative worry all the time. As soon as we're safe enough not to be having to respond to it actively, ideally we're going to, I don't know, take two minutes, think of something else, do something else, do an activity that you like to do. That was a really important comment that you made, Richard, like that we take time to do things that we still care to do, like fantasy football. <laughs> Thank you. You're yeah. The challenge, we have to be able to respond to the challenge. At the same time, if you're always reiterating, repeating on the challenge, you'll just wear yourself out. This is something that is going to take me time and effort and attention to do something about. If I can just find the one thing, if I knew that one thing is causing this, I would somehow like magically make that transition and think, no, won't happen that way. It'll be much more like you get involved in a process where you learn some of these skills that I hear as I listen to Richard Listens, where he drops in these little tips about like helping your body to settle before performance. We can look out there for Peter Levine's work and healing trauma, waking the tiger. We can look at the Tressless series that I have out there. There's a ton of information that's really growing out there that says your nervous system is organized in this way. These are the signals that tell your body, like being able to feel the perimeter of your body, touching surfaces, maybe the back, maybe your legs. If that's somehow pleasurable or somehow connecting to you, enjoy that or give that a little bit of value to your attention to help your body, your brain, know a bit more of where the boundary of your body is so it's not just so floaty. All There are all these language things that we would want to learn how to invest in learning how to pay attention to our organism better. And the conditions that you mentioned are the kind of thing that I would say, what would I recommend? I'd recommend that you take note of the fact that you're uncomfortable and it probably doesn't have to stay that way. And if you were to avail yourself of some of the very accessible resources out there, you could learn better how to help yourself and help other people who are around you to calm your nervous system down better. Other than one brick won't be possible. But like Richard says, it's a kind of personalized thing here. And if we learn how to talk to our organism, talk to our bodies, have other people talk to our bodies and calm us down, that's valuable to learn how to do. Yeah, it's really interesting because
someone was asking me earlier about my basketball playing days and, and they were saying well didn't you you know kind of resolve a lot of your stress through for your basketball and I don't think I had this awareness and I think basketball was like war and so you know we often talk about you know the stress was being discharged but it was like laying a minefield around me so you know regularly a day later the people who played with me on my own team and others would be like do you remember who you were 12 hours ago you know so I wasn't really resolving trauma or threat I was in fact creating <laughs> new enemies and new battles <laughs> to work through them so we know you know, it's a kind of a therapy term of reenactment maybe I need to see who my enemies are externally but internally I wasn't settling in fact for hours after I would be experiencing much more inflammation and stress so it's kind of a disembodied experience and now this kind of awareness brings me back into I want to be in touch with enjoying my experience of using my body to reset I want to try and do yeah. things that I'm getting sense of exhilaration but also calmness at the end of it to reduce stress and not keep accumulating right exactly like uh, I work out I work out in order to like relieve my stress and then I'm just completely white from having worked out and kind of run all my restorative juices out by having sense everything it's an exhausting let's jump ahead as though the culture is on my form and let's jump ahead and say oh wow we look back and saw how much we were working and how much extra we were doing in order to just kind of stay in play and we decided we were we we're going to slow down some of that what would we find out we'd find out that we have a, an organism a body that's developed by evolution on this planet that has a ton of cycles and a ton of rhythms in it that if they get to excite themselves and then settle if they get to be used and then rest and restore that we're actually remarkably resilient creatures or doing all kinds of creative stuff but then also doing all kinds of challenging stuff and then getting away from the challenge back to the sense of safety and then being able to settle again kind of like our biology is just waiting for us to give it more credit and then it will actually work more on our behalf rather than against us all the time because we've overused it it's not, it's not because you're a failure it's you know it's not because you're not good enough it's not because you don't care enough you don't have enough passion you're not you're not trying like the other people are there are limits we live i want to live on a planet with limits where i get to test myself against those limits and find out what i can do and then feel good afterwards rather than feel destroyed and, and then feel somehow like i failed at going beyond what i like i'm some kind of machine or something no so you're speaking to like the reality of our organisms on the planet yeah so what's one thing you've learned to do to, to settle and reset yourself when you're on you know speaking and healing others what's one thing you've learned to do to kind of reconcile i have a whole series of things that w one thing that i'll say here now that comes to mind first i have learned to be able to notice what activation looks like when it whereas in the past i was just activated all the time and my only variation or difference was when i was activated or when i was kind of like comatose because i kind of used it all up you know and like go 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 and i'm down so like my window of like this is different than that was really it wasn't very nuanced at all now i'll be like well i was getting ready for this interview today this conversation that we're having of course that's that's arousing that's activating so as i'm going through the day there are cycles of that coming through and i would say that over the years one of the primary things that somatic experiencing helped me to do was to become aware of weapons for me when my body when my nervous system when i start to get aroused start to feel excited or debated and then being able to track that oh my god 
side or oh my belly gets a little bit like butterfly or oh you know my throat gets a little constricted by being able to notice the range of that rather than waiting until it's all accumulated by being able to follow the trail and catch that oh wow this is me getting excited about this i can then kind of pause what i'm doing and give my body some time a little bit of space i don't know to move to sing to move my like relax certain muscles in my face that we know to be related to the calming system or to look around at the world to what we call orient to help the part of the nervous system that helps us to kind of like take in the world in a free manner where our head and neck and eyes are free to look around it has a tendency to slow down the heart rate because of the way our nervous system is working so as i feel myself getting activated as i'm coming towards an event or something like this i'll try that sequence and as i'm getting there before it's too much i'm like taking some time to look around to feel move and then notice and this is one of the beautiful things to be able to start to notice what are the signs of my body settling an easier more spontaneous breath easier flexibility in my neck clearer uh visual field being able to feel more of my body or feel things that aren't only the things that we're feeling uncomfortable so that other things start to show up in my attention all signs of deactivation and to give those credit to be like this is worth my time i'm going to be on in 10 minutes i'm going to be on in two hours i'm going to be on in five hours i'm going to be on next week it's worth my time right now to figure out oh that's a deactivation sign oh i should go ahead and let my body settle i'm probably going to feel a little shaky or trembly or a little nauseous maybe or a little fluttery might feel a little bit of like vibration or something that the activation that was getting going starts to discharge and settle oh wow let that happen i want to let that happen so that as i settle i might have another round might have multiple other rounds might be a big deal might have this all week long but rather than just i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it i'm just taking on all this activation and i'm gonna like a disaster when the moment finally comes I, that never worked for me i just get overactivated so learning how to ride those activation cycles is i i think a, a central theme of what helped me from somatic experiencing wow. wow yeah that's some great thought i usually i try and bring my clients back to their feet because i notice when things are getting a little tougher yeah. the feet start yeah. to take off like an airplane coming off so <laughs> yeah. i do it for myself too yeah you just start you notice yourself leaving the body and yeah. uh the real gift that i learned from uh, somatic experiences were coming home from working in good rows to get out of the car and to give at least 10 minutes of just kind of even if i only moved 30 feet on the back whole face on the street my head just would look at freeze my arms would kind of just uh yeah let out some of that energy from good row and i could kind of then start breathing again before colliding with the neck challenge is the stressless series something that's easily accessible and that would um give them some tips to go over recovery from trauma or uh, yeah that, that actually is my most solid offering. It's a kind of thing to accompany people who are in an ongoing stressor that's lasting an undefined amount of time. Like with wildfires, one of the things is that we don't know how long they'll last. And that makes it so it's hard to just simply do what you want to do to respond to it and feel the satisfaction of being able to respond because the nature of the danger is ever changing. And that creates certain dynamic in the nervous system that make it so like, we want all of this imagery that we see like this and make sure that we get things to be like okay that's not the only thing i'm gonna pay attention to for days and weeks and months on end because like like caitlin was just saying um it's gonna pull it's gonna just pull that nervous system
system activation up all the time until we're going to hit a wall and that'll make it very hard to recover so when an, a stressor is an ongoing kind of thing we want to be able to like okay i can get to enough safety away from this you want to take some time pulling in some of the basic safety signals that company with other people that you know like and trust if you don't know them that you at least realize that they're not dangerous to you and that their presence is an accompaniment that makes it so that your nerves feel safer so to be around people to not only reiterate on the danger essentially to not only watch the news but also to do other things that you found in your to be valid and it's a very central thing and then to keep some activity going so that in the sense of i'm just waiting for others to be able to solve this problem even if it's doing the dishes even if it's doing small lightweight project that you can accomplish cleaning the car clean the car again i, I know it sounds ridiculous but get the satisfaction out of doing something that you can accomplish the end of considering that here's this event that for the moment it's beyond your control and you need to kind of keep yourself safe from it if you're on the periphery of it all together then it's really very important to kind of be attending to your sense of well-being by not, um, not just pushing your head into that danger every minute of the day even though you do have to stay attentive yeah, and we've uh, thankfully gotten around some good community groups that were able to find a way to get a call to action to bring food and, and chapstick and things like that to the firefighters you know, find some way that you can yeah. contribute to healing and resourcing so if it's opening up your home if you were that close to someone who were without shelter it's the holiday so even if you don't have resources and money and it's not your ideal Christmas or Hanukkah opening up your home just to give people some connection to things of meaning during times of stress people who were in you know muckraver uh, disasters uh, still, still tried to make connection to days of, of memory and, and, and symbol so we should keep those traditions going if we can yeah absolutely you know it's a big thing like uh, in times of stress humans come together and, and they should because another response of the stress response is to isolate ourselves and, and this is not what we want to do in a time of like collective stress or where our whole community has been affected or even if we've been individually affected we, we don't want to isolate ourselves it's a different part of the nervous system that says oh it's all too much and I should hide away it's true it's all too much so you don't want to be the, like pushing into all too muchness of it all the time and we want to be around other people who are moving their head and neck and smiling some and have some facial expressions and in their own way of being they are saying you're not in danger right now otherwise we're just reinforcing the signal of danger and we really we want to have enough time away from it that our body can start to get those signals to pay with that right which increases your resiliency to be able to handle it when a real danger does approach again yeah i mean you're gonna have you're gonna be sent if you're always responding to the danger that's not actively so i could talk to you for hours how liberation is possible.org tell us where our guests can reach you how can they learn more from you and get a sense of what you've learned and re-shift the cultural animation my my website which showcases all my work is liberation is possible.org i do i believe that liberation is possible and there i have kind of two main functions one is to provide public projects like the stressless series or the stories of completion or stories from congo kind of like cultural animation projects like and then i also have a, a wide selection of work for somatic experiencing practitioners and other people who are uh, in the helping professions who are applying the psychobiology psychobiology so people can do so 
sessions with you, right, via Skype, they can reach out and schedule. Do you do that? I don't have a public clientele. I work with practitioners, and my primary work is consulting with helping practitioners who are then working with their clients. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram. Richard Listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.